John chapter 2 and verse number 12 says, After this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Verse number 18, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou dost doest these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was the temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity again to gather around your word. Lord, I just pray that this word would not uh, go out and and become void, Lord, that it would return and, and grow in our hearts. It would mold us and shape us and bring forth fruit. Lord, I pray that as we continue this month of March and get things prepared, that we're able to get out and start reaching into the community. Lord, and I just pray that we would be able to start seeing souls saved here in Maxwell. Lord, I thank you so much for the news that I got earlier about the, the Sportsman's Banquet in Florida. Lord, 24 people saved at this banquet today, and I just pray that you would do that here. Lord, we just thank you so very much. I pray that you'd work in us this week uh, to be bright, shining, and bold, and effective witnesses for you. So, Lord, please guide and direct. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you remember last week, uh, if you were here, we looked at this uh, Jesus cleansing the temple, and and we briefly looked at the question from the Jews, and, and uh, kind of jokingly, mockingly made the point that they completely missed uh, the whole idea. They, they asked what Jesus was trying to show them and they missed, you know, the fact that the temple was full of sin, that, that uh, those that were in charge, that were ruling over the temple and, and were so corrupt that they were, they were just devouring everything that the Jews had and, and they were, they were uh, defiling the temple. And, you know, these would have been the, the most obvious answers, the, the idolatry, the, the, the false worship. All of this would have been a very obvious answer for Christ to give, but that's not the answer that he gave. Uh, but before we get into his answer, let's take a look at, at some of the other things that this pictures for us, this cleansing of the temple. So there, there's a picture in this situation. And Christ, in his anger, is able to, to, to control it. And to not sin. And I, I think we looked at that last week. To be God never tells us not to be angry. He says be angry but sin not. To have that righteous anger. Uh, not just that we're right. And not just that we're, we're doing something good for God. But, but that anger of, of or that, that righteousness of not ever having any sin. And that's, that's almost impossible for us. Uh, the Bible tells us over and over again. Uh, in the Gospels it talks about... Uh, beholding the, the moat in someone else's eye where the, while there's a beam in our own eye and how 
we have to clear those things out of our lives before we can really show those in others. And uh, something that everybody struggles with that I that I have to work with every day, trying to to rid myself of of those issues so that I can be uh, the effective pastor and, and the effective uh, brother that I need to be to help others get to where they need to be. But Christ didn't have that problem. He didn't have to stop and pray and cleanse himself uh, in order to be able to to show his anger here and not be sinful. He was able to just be God. 100% man, but 100% God. And in his right, absolute power, he was able to, to rid the temple of these issues for a short time. Um, but there's, a, there's a, another deeper picture here. And that picture represents... Um, Jesus, that picture represents the difference between uh, the law and grace. And, and Christ is, is a much higher authority than all of those that would have been in charge, than the Sanhedrin, than the Pharisees, than the Sadducees, even the priests and Levites, who were powerless to rid everything, rid all these people out of the temple because they were involved they they were deeply rooted in this sin and but Christ in, in his power in God's power was able uh, to prove his higher authority and this is the beginning of Christ taking that power away from the law the Levitical priesthood and those that taught and created the law are a picture uh, of the law itself which has no power to save it only has power to condemn um, there there is another priesthood in Genesis 14 verse number 18. Uh, we have the story of Abraham coming back from uh, the slaughter of, Ke- of uh, Chedorlaomer. Um, we have the story where uh, Lot was taken captive. Uh, again, uh, Abraham sticking his neck out for someone that he was told to leave behind. Um, but he had gone and, and with his trained servants and a few other men and, and brought all these goods back. And as he's coming back triumphant, uh, he's being met. So Genesis chapter 14 and verse number 13, we'll start there. Uh, it says, And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, uh, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, and brother of Aner. And these were con- confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318 and pursued them unto Dan, and he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is in the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. Verse number 17, And the king of Sodom went out to meet meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And he blessed, uh, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich, save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me, Anner and Eshcol and Mamre. 
let them take their portion. Here, Melchizedek is entered. He's, he's the priest of the Most High God. And obviously we haven't gotten to, to Moses and Aaron yet, but uh, this is a, a priest of God the Creator before the priesthood was into, in existence. Um, we see him later on in, in Hebrews, uh, and we'll get to that here in just a minute, but uh, he is explained again in Hebrews. But what we understand is that Christ is after this order of Melchizedek. He, he's not after the order, he's not of the Aaronic line, he is after the order of Melchizedek. So in uh, Psalm 110, Psalm 110 and verse number 1 says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of, the, of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power and the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. This is speaking of Christ. Uh, David speaking of his Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and calls him after the order of Melchizedek. But you'll also notice in verse number 6 that he shall wound the heads over many countries. Uh, this is a direct reference back to Genesis where uh, it talks about uh, the seed of woman wounding the head of the serpent and uh, defeating Satan ultimately. Uh, in Hebrews verses or chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7, uh, Melchizedek is explained a little bit more. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 1. There's going to be a lot of reading in this, but uh, it's all, I couldn't <coughs> cut it down. It's all important. So Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into the rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do, not, do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the, word, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his work. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying, In David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest of the people of God. For he that has entered into the rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into the rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in the sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. 
Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like us, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is, is uh, used or is spoken here of as being a great high priest. Uh, we know that Jesus is from the beginning. He is God, as we learned in, in John chapter 1. But chapter 5 and verse number 1 goes on to say, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself is also compassed with infirmity? And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. Verses 1 through 3 are showing the, the error in, in the idea of the Aaronic priesthood, that, that they have to first cleanse themselves in order to offer the sins for, for their brethren. And this is, <clears throat> this is what God used for the entire Old Testament. But again, it was it was a picture of the law. It was a, it was only supposed to be for a short period of time. In verse number four, it says, "And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son. Today have I begotten thee, as he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek." who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. God himself is is saying Christ is after the order of Melchizedek. He's showing that the the priesthood that comes through Melchizedek is is a higher, a more authoritative priesthood. It's an inerrant priesthood. It's a perfect priesthood. Uh, and we don't have to go far to see that the Aaronic priesthood, those that, that were supposed to be guarding over Israel, failed. I mean, if you look at Eli, uh, his sons Hophni and Phinehas were perverting themselves when Samuel was born and, and laying with the women outside the temple and, and cheating what God had decided for the to allow to be allowed for the priests to have and, and they were they were going around all of that and, and Eli was refusing to, to bring them to punishment to, to correct the issue and because of that God had to step in and, and killed all of them he killed <coughs> killed Hophni and Phinehas killed their sons uh, killed Eli he uh, you know fell off the wall and broke his neck because he was fat and lazy um, is what the Bible tells us and and Rose brought up Samuel uh, a young man that was very young uh, to be the next prophet uh, a man that, that would follow him and so we, we don't have to go very far to see that 
the Aaronic priesthood is but man. It, it is just as uh, it is today. I mean, even in, in our independent Baptist churches, we have to understand that the man standing behind the pulpit is just a man. He's not perfect. Um, he's going to fail. He's going to make mistakes. Um, and, and that's why we need to focus on the Word of God and, and hold the Word of God up and not the, the man of God. Um, but God, <clears throat> Christ is also called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in Revelation seventeen fourteen. Um, he is the ruler of the rulers. And uh, in all these things, we are pictured in John chapter 2 as Christ is removing that authority as he's cleansing the temple because he has the power to do so. He's showing us this picture. And he's also showing us uh, the weakness of the law. Um, the law was just supposed to be a schoolmaster. It had no power to save. It was just to teach, just to show uh, our sinful condition. In Romans 3... Again, the whole chapter, unfortunately. Um, Romans 3, 3 and verse number 1, it says, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what, if some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our right unrighteousness condemn the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous, who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? <coughs> Sorry, and not rather... You want one of these? No. As we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm uh, that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jew and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are, are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under the lips, whose mouth is full of cursings and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. God is showing through another writer, through the Apostle Paul, that, that all men are sinful, that the heart is desperately wicked and evil, that every thought and intention of the heart is against God in our natural state. And because of that, God gave us the law. Uh, verse number 19, Now we know that... The, that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. By 
performing the law, by living up to the law, you're not justified. For by the law is the knowledge of sin, the understanding of what is right and wrong. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all of them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remonition of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. I declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews <clears throat> only? Is he not also the, of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Again, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. But it is only through the law that we understand our sinful nature. In Galatians 3... Again, we have Paul writing to the church of Galatia and and he is going to go through and explain again. O foolish Galatians, in in chapter 3 and verse number 1, Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? This is a question. How did you receive the Spirit? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain? If it yet, <clears throat> sorry, if it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracle among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham, Abraham believed God and it was accounted him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. Excuse me, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, "In thee shall all nations be blessed." So then, they by which of they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many are of the, for as many as are of the work of the law are under the curse. For it is written, "Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them." But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. 
He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, and but God give it, gave it to Abraham by promise. Again, Paul is just reaffirming that the law has no power. It is solely for the purpose of teaching and showing us what is what is going on. And, and it, in the same vein, those that are teaching the law, those that are upholding the law, in John chapter two, are useless. They are vain. Uh, well, they are actually uh, breaking the second, the third commandment. Well, they're breaking the first commandment and in uh, worshiping a false god. They've, the, the law to them has become an idol. Uh, they're breaking the commandment that, uh, that they shall, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Um, they are having an empty worship of God because they are worshiping him incorrectly. Um, this is all in these, this very simple uh, picture or this very simple historical action of Christ he's showing us the first steps of all of this and helping us to understand that he is the ultimate authority that, that it is not anything that man can do that it is only uh, only through God but the Jews missed all that they missed that picture they missed that understanding so Jesus in his wisdom uh, gives them this answer uh, in verse number <clears throat> Sorry, I'm in Romans. I'm supposed to go back to John. I just saw the yellow. Uh, in verse number 18, or verse number 19, Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was the temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? Jesus was all ready, was always ready to give an answer to those that ask. Sometimes uh, the people that ask this question, or ask the question, aren't ready for the answer they get. And this is one of those cases. Jesus in this case says that if the Jews destroy the temple, that he will build it again in three days. I'm sorry, he didn't say build. He said raise. It's a very interesting choice of word there. Um, he says raise because he's not speaking of the temple. He's speaking of his body. He's speaking of, of the, his temple. The, the home of God is in him, and he's going to raise his body up after, he, after the Jews destroy it uh, in three days. You'll again notice that phrase in three days. Uh, this is again speaking of the resurrection. Uh, the word raised up is used because he is not speaking of the temple building, but the temple of his body. Um, this is just the first of many times where Christ would foretell his own death uh, throughout the Gospels. It is also the beginning of the end of the dispensation of the law. In three short years, the age of grace would begin. And this was the plan from the beginning. It can be seen in the life of, of the human being. If you go all the way back to Genesis, to Genesis chapter 1 and day number 6, and when God creates man and he creates man in his own image, perfect and, and holy, without sin, <clears throat> they are born. They were born in innocence. Adam and Eve were created uh, in innocence, not knowing good and evil. Uh, and we grow and become aware of our nature uh, and are then taught by our parents and authorities what is right and what is wrong. This is... The, I, this is the time of the law. This is where Moses comes in and he's teaching the children of Israel how to worship God properly. 
and, and unfortunately, just like the children of Israel chose to stay in Egypt too long, they chose to stay under the law too long. Uh, they're still choosing to stay under the law and refusing to see their Messiah. Once we're raised up and taught and, and at a certain point, uh, we're then released to our own devices as we become adults. This is a, supposed to be a picture of salvation. This is a rebirth. Uh, this is supposed to be a time where we as, as people are, are now choosing to walk with God and choosing to serve God in the way that God wants us to do. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. Um, but that is the picture that is given us as we then go on and, and start our own family and the, the cycle starts all over again. And, and, but that, that is a picture that God has given us in the way that, that we live, the way that we grow and the way that we reproduce. But blindness has come <clears throat> to Israel in Romans 11.25. Romans 11 and verse number 25 says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of the mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. The Jews were very, are still very confused. Even today, they're, they're confused and not understanding, not willing to see their own sinfulness, not willing to let the schoolmaster of the law teach them and show them the Messiah. They're still looking for that promised Messiah. They know that he's coming. They know what to look for, but they missed it because they looked through their own lens. Uh, The Jews replied to Christ's answer that it took 46 years to build the temple. How can you rear it up in three days? Just as they could not see past their own state and sin to see the true meaning of what Christ was doing, they cannot see past their earthly knowledge to understand the heavenly meaning. Even today... The Jews are still looking uh, for their Messiah and his conquering power. They're blind to what, was, what has happened and the signs of the times. And unfortunately, so are many Christians today. Uh, those that would profess to be Christian, those that would be for, profess to be followers of Christ, are blind uh, by the world's view. They still choose to see everything through the lens of tradition and education and the societal shifts instead of focusing on exactly what God says. And, and we miss so much of what God has for us because we're choosing to look at what society has or <clears throat> or what mama and you know what mama always said sorry that was a water boy reference um, now I've got Colonel Sanders stuck in my head that's a bad place to be <laughs> sorry um It is because of these that we miss the plain and simple truth of God's word and are confounded uh, and confound it into an erroneous belief system and idolatry. So many professing Christians today are worshiping a God of their own creation, a God that is not anything that God has told us that he is. Um, I, I, you know, I pray for my cousin Scotty. He is dealing with a lot right now. Um, He has come to me and claim to be saved but he is he is worshiping a god that he's created instead of the god of the bible and unfortunately because of that he is making choices that are destroying his life and his family and uh could very well end up killing him or or killing others and it's just it's a very sad state um but we all are worshiping a God of our own creation rather than worshiping the God that created us. 
rather than focusing exactly on the Word of God and, and His Word alone, we're still, oh, you know, God is a God of love. He would never do that. Well, no. God is a God of righteousness. He loves us in that he, He's already paid for our penalties. He's already uh, given us the ticket to get to heaven. It's just we're refusing to cash it uh, for those that are lost. But Romans 1 <clears throat> Uh, and verses number verses 19 through 25 uh, help us sum this up a little bit better. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power... And Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worship and serve the the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. We were given free will. When God created us, that's, that's the unique thing about us. He created us on day six, the same time He created all the other land animals. The difference is He breathed in us the breath of life. He gave us a soul. He gave us a spirit and He gave us a body. And He gave us free will and free free thought. But when we choose to see the world through the the wrong lens, we think the wrong thoughts and begin to worship an idol rather than the one true God. When we choose to not see God's word, to not see God's truth, when we choose to use that free thought and that free will... Uh, to walk away from God or, or to, to change God, we become idolaters. And I have no doubt that we're still saved because, uh, honestly, we do this every day. But it should be the driving force to push us to the Word of God is, is that true worship, that true love, that true understanding. And this is what's pictured in John chapter 2, something that... That seems so simple and, and even uh, kind of comical. You know, Christ, who the world pictures as some weak, uh, meek, mild man, driving every everything out, driving the oxen and the sheep, and the, the flipping over the, the money changers' tables and <clears throat> and cleansing the temple. It almost seems comical, but it it shows us the true authority. It shows us what should be uh, the truth in our life, and that should be the Word of God and God Himself instead of uh, the law and, and, and Aaron's priesthood. Now, that, that's not to say that the law has no use. The law is supposed to be that schoolmaster. It is supposed to teach us. It's supposed to show us uh, who we are. And, and even after we're saved, it's supposed to guide us and keep us uh, in between the lanes so that we stay right. Uh, but it has no power to save us. It has no power over us and unfortunately the Jews have missed that and because of uh, their unbelief have missed their Messiah Uh, and 
are still being dealt with.